What up, what up, everyone? How's it going, Chad? Uh, it's going it's going pretty good. Another Monday night. Uh, excited to jump right in. Yeah, we're going to get after it. Uh, a little different this week. Super Bowl special. The biggest game of the sporting calendar next week, next Monday, a week from today. Super pumped up for it. With that being said, we're going to take a little bit of a, of a different approach to this week's pod. Really Super Bowl focused, except for a little bit at the beginning. And we're not going to do our usual view it, screw it, hot take stuff. We will be back with those next week. Don't worry. I know people are worried. They're going to be back next week. What I wanted to get going here. So before we jump into Super Bowl stuff, big sports takeaways for the week. Um, it's Winter Olympics time. And I, I know that the Winter Olympics probably don't have the same appeal as the Summer Olympics. But there are some really good uh, events that are going on. I like it partly because I get to learn about some new events that I honestly have no idea are, for example, things like slope style, uh, biathlon, curling, all these events that not a lot of people are watching every every year. And so every four years when it sort of comes up and rears its head, it's very exciting and it's fun to, to get behind these, these, uh, these other athletes besides the super mainstream, very well compensated athletes that we see on a day-to-day basis in, in the big professional sports leagues. Uh, I noticed a few really cool stories and then one, one not so cool story that I did want to hit on really quickly for the, for the winter Olympics. Just some, some quick hitters are, uh, this woman, Deirdre, uh, Irwin, she had the best individual finish ever in the biathlon for team USA. Uh, it was seventh place. And I know us spoiled in the U S are like, Oh wow. Seventh place, nothing crazy, but that's actually a really big deal. Really cool. This is not a sport that the U S really focuses and puts a bunch of energy into. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very cool that, that she was able to do that. So that was one that stuck out to me, like a really cool story. Um, and the women's hockey team has looked really incredible so far over there as well, sort of blowing out some teams, and, and they should have a long stay over there in, in uh, Beijing. Anything specific from, from the Winter Olympics? Have you been able to catch much of it, Chad? I haven't been able to catch as much as I would like, and I do think that the Winter Olympics don't get a fair shake when it comes to comparing them to the Summer Olympics. They are much different. I think that also is because the winter Olympic sports are just, they're more like specific and they're more, I don't think they're, they're not as popular. And especially in the U S not a lot of people get to experience or even try them out or participate in them or know a lot about them. So I think they don't get as much, as much coverage um, or as much appreciation, but some of them are incredibly fun to watch. I think the, the, the risk involved in some of these sports, I heard it, I heard it put in, in a, this light the other day when I was talking about it with, with somebody. They said it's basically some variation of slipping or falling down an icy sheet is most of these events. So bobcat, luge, or bobcat, uh, uh, bobsled, luge, skeleton, skiing, mm-hmm. snowboarding, they're all basically just different vehicles that someone is using to try to tame ice, which is, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, just someone just carving into ice and hoping that they can do a trick or something before they hurt themselves. Yeah, exactly. I know, I think probably most people would think of snowboarding as probably one of the more popular when they think of the winter Olympics, because I know we've, we, me being the U and that with Sean white um, and others, but I know you saw what happened with Michaela Schifrin, right? That was absolutely wild and, frankly, just really devastating. Yeah, it was. It was pretty disappointing. So, for those that that, that don't know, Michaela Schifrin is one of the most decorated alpine skiers of all time, and she was going for 
uh, one of the medals that would make her one of the most decorated uh, U.S. Olympians ever, but as well as the um, sort of the all-time alpine skier, uh, Olympic Olympic medalist for the U.S., the, the best Olympic medalist. And she has this this run, her first event of the Olympic Games, and she has tons and tons of pressure on her. It sort of has, has donned the face of the Games for the U.S., really, alongside maybe Sean White and Chloe Kim. And on one of her turns, you know, she's going upwards of, of 80 miles an hour on skis. And one of the skis gives out and she, she falls. And so she's basically disqualified because she misses one of the gates that you have to go through in the giant slalom event. And I was, I was, I was disappointed for her. I was not disappointed in her. I think what's frustrating is the coverage of this by NBC Mm -hmm. was extremely frustrating and appalling to see. Um, I, I think you've probably seen this tons and tons of times with, with lots of athletes, but I feel especially bad during the Olympics because these are people that, they basically bear the weight of a nation as the face of these, these games on their shoulders mm-hmm. for every four years. They're not necessarily people that are under the spotlight every day, but, but every four years they get it. And it's so frustrating. Some of the laziness and hypocrisy that these, these sports networks, not just NBC, but NBC for the Olympics, basically right after she falls, NBC showing a replay about 10 times in a row of her falling and tries to get her on an interview within the next 20 minutes after she falls to ask her how her emotions are doing, how she's feeling, how is the pressure, how is the pressure getting to her? How is she going to chase down these medals when she's fallen? It was crazy to me. It's just, mm-hmm. I feel like it's just so disrespectful to, to the games and to the sport to just jump in someone's face after that and ask someone like that. I think it's just, it's just not right. Oh, absolutely. And I, this isn't, this isn't new. Like this has been happening at, I mean, you can go as far back as a couple Olympics back. I mean, this type of thing has been developing and developing and coming to fruition here with media just becoming lazier and lazier when it comes to writing good questions and coming up with more in-depth, better interviewing techniques. It's always just trying to get what's going to get the most clicks, the most likes, what's going to be the biggest headline or what's going to cause the most controversy or get people. And to a point, yes, I understand you, you need readers, you need clicks, you need viewers and at the expense of some of the men, some of the mental health of some of these athletes. Like, I mean, you look back with Simone Biles at the the last Olympic games, talk about the weight of a nation on your shoulders. I mean, that, that was just wild. I mean, all the coverage you saw about that with, I mean, she's, she's the goat. She's the best of all time. She's the best in the game. And of course she brought some of that on herself. She embraced a lot of that pressure because I mean, she considers herself to be the greatest of all time when it comes to the sport of gymnastics and even beyond that as an Olympian. But rather, there's never a lot of questions being asked to our athletes and even going back further with Michael Phelps, obviously carrying the weight of a nation as well, just asking about like what happened during that. Because imagine if they just asked her, hey, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Like, how are you? Like something that shows that they're actually human rather than just going for the next click. It's exactly right. The, the, the clickbait articles, because so many articles now have like a quote as their, what, what you click into. And so it's, it's some out of context quote that gets taken out of these off the cuff interviews when people are still fresh. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not a representation of who they are as people. It's not a representation of, of their ability as athletes. We've been really spoiled 
with the Olympics, we've, we've seen greatness over and over and over by mm -hmm. so many of these people that we get used to this expectation of, wow, like they're just going to go out and probably win gold. And if they don't win gold, it's going to be a little bit of a disappointment for us, which is, it's just not right. It's, it should not be the first reaction when someone falls ski slope and they get down to ask, how are you going to get as many goals as you wanted when, <laughs> and it, it's the same thing with, you know, with, like you said, Simone Biles and, and Michael Phelps. And these are all people that I don't know so much about Schifrin, but I know Phelps and Biles are people that have struggled openly with, with, with mental health and they want their advocates for it now. And they want to people to realize how much pressure there is on these athletes. And, and I, I don't, I don't mean to, to necessarily say that, that they shouldn't, you know, there, there aren't ways to, to, you know, potentially handle this. And, um, you know, there are, there are certain expectations as an athlete, of course, that that's always going to be the case. I'm not saying that there's any way that we can just like, yeah, you know, no pressure. It's going to, it's part of the games. You, you're going to have pressure. But at the same time, there are ways that the media can approach it so much healthier. And it's just, it's ugly. It's, I think it's a shame that, that these athletes get put under the microscope for most of the time when people don't really care about them. And then four years later, oh, wow, they screwed up. Not as great as I thought they were. Yep, absolutely. I, I definitely agree. And I think I, I really just wish and I hope that um, Michaela Schifrin's doing all right and that she's able to rebound in a fashion that um, does well for her. And I hope it doesn't feel like added pressure. I know it, I believe it will, because when you have such a big incident like this right at the beginning, all the thoughts are flooding through your head about, I've let so many people down already. Like, how am I going to get this done? Or there's so much pressure by my, my teammates, fans, et cetera. But I really hope that everybody is there to support and really just focus on just doing their best. It sounds cheesy, but it's just, you need to support your teammates and enjoy like being in the Olympics and really getting to represent your country. And you shouldn't feel this unnecessary pressure to appease other people. Like this is for you. You've worked your tail off to get here. Like enjoy yourself and like get out there and kill it. Yeah. It's not, they don't owe us anything. Exactly. This, is not, this shouldn't <laughs> be for us. But unfortunately people feel that way. So in any case, I did just want to highlight that. Uh, I think I'd be remiss not to mention that, but overall really fun. Definitely still check out the winter Olympics. The coverage has been for the most part, very good. And there's so many, there's a sport for everybody out there. Even if you just want to dip your dip your toes in and watch some of the curling or something like that, it's still super fun and it's it's always cool to see these stories. Like there's always super unique stories coming from all over the world with the Olympics. So um, hopefully we both get to watch a little more. I know it's 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 tough it's tough because it's on late, but I definitely encourage people to watch. Yes, for sure. I can't wait to check out maybe some of the curling that comes up. I've uh, I've fallen in love with that ever since that. Um, that group of dads, this, those older guys with their, with their epic curling victories. It's wild, but like, yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out this week. So we're, we're now into the, the big Super Bowl segment. We've, we've waited all football season for this. <laughs> we're super pumped about the matchup Bengals chiefs, but before we get into okay. that and we'll have plenty to talk about for Bengals chiefs for sure. I did want to get your take on a couple things, Chad. And, mm -hmm. and I know we like to talk about food on this podcast. Yes, we, we, we do like to talk about food. I think we both like food quite a bit. If you can get the, if you have that impression, you're right. And so with that in mind, I did want to ask you about some, some all time Super Bowl snacks. Mm, 
I do. I mean, Super Bowl that that's like maybe third. I'll go. I'll give it like thirty five percent of the night. Like that's a crucial element of any super successful Super Bowl party. So what what, what were you thinking? I mean, I know there's some there's some ins, there's some staples out there, right? Like there's some snacks you gotta have if you're hosting or you're looking forward to if you're attending. Oh, I mean. If I show up to a Super Bowl party and they don't have the right assortment of foods, I might as well just leave. I don't really care about the game at that point because I'm so upset. Or even, or even the people that invited you there. <laughs> exactly. I don't. I don't care about them either. You've just, you've just lost oh, the respect that you didn't know that you were <laughs> going to lose before showing up. If they don't have the right set of food, or I mean, hopefully. It depends if it's like potluck style, because you know you've been to some Super Bowl parties where they they offer some up, but then you bring your own. And I'm always showing up with a staple. I'm doing my part. Yeah, I I know you've done. I know you and you and uh, your mom have always have always done a good a good job hosting with the uh, the hors d'oeuvres and such. Always appreciated. So I wanted to do a little face off here with with some some all time Super Bowl Super Bowl snacks. And I'll start off with, with I think for you, it will probably be a layup, but I think it will be a lot harder for some other folks. Uh, All right, what you got? We've got the buffalo chicken dip, which is, mm. is buffalo flavor is always so popular around, around the oh, Super yeah. Bowl. And then an, a classic, the guacamole. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Talk about a layup. This is finger roll wide open on the break. Nobody in sight. I'm just laying this right in through the net. This buffalo chicken dip, without a doubt, it's hard because I don't. I mean, I don't like guacamole. There's been there's been the rare guacamoles that I've had that have had pretty good flavor and spice, maybe a little kick to it that I've been okay eating when salsa isn't offered or buffalo chicken dip isn't offered. But if you're telling me this is a face off and we show up to a party and there's a big table and you've got buffalo chicken dip, you got all the tostitos you could want and then some guacamole, I'm always heading to Buffalo Chicken Dip first. I mean, and that's recent for me because this was not something, I think the first time I had Buffalo Chicken Dip was maybe late high school or early college. Um, it wasn't something I was introduced to as a kid. That's, I I think it's more recent uh, of a trend. I don't know what you ha- if you have any thoughts on that. Is I didn't really think, hear about buffalo chicken dip being like a common item at these type of parties until maybe like the 2010s yeah i'm gonna be that guy right now that says i like buffalo flavor before it was cool it has had a <laughs> huge it has had a huge glow up for some reason in i feel like the last the last i don't know five or six years where Buffalo flavor is now all over the place. And everyone's like, oh, Buffalo, Buffalo. You tried Buffalo? Yeah, freaking tried Buffalo. Are you stupid? <laughs> like, I had Buffalo when I was a kid. My baby food was Buffalo flavored. I was born that's, in Buffalo. Of course I've had Buffalo. That's hardcore right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are you, what are you saying then? You, the man from Buffalo, you got to be taking Buffalo chicken dip then, right? Over guacamole? I mean, here's what I'll say is, is I love a good guacamole. Uh, I, I do very much like guacamole, and that's that's also a kind of a recent thing for me. I didn't I didn't used to love guacamole, but but as I just embraced my inner millennial, I think I think I had to em, in, embrace the the avocado. But buffalo chicken dip has to take it for me here. It, it, buffalo chicken dip, I like a little uh, I like a little spice, and th- mm-hmm. that's always going to provide the spice for me in my oh, yeah. uh, in my dip. I like a little heat as well, uh, and it is it has become a go to at 
most parties I've been to recently, probably the last three or four, it's always there. And I look forward to it every time. So it'll take the the two O right there. Mm. What else you got? All right. We're going to, we're going to change things up a little bit. So Buffalo chicken dip guacamole, it's an appetizer, right? You know, mm-hmm. You're sitting around, you just munch in. That's like, just something... that's like when you're listening to the, like the analysis and the predictions, like right before the game starts, you're just munching, you're talking with your friends. Maybe you're setting up your, like your bets on like the squares and the bingos. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Yep. Yep. Let's get into something a little bit more, more hefty here. We're going to jump to a, a showdown of two very heavy hitters, wings and pizza. Oh my. What are you going Talk- for here? This is, this is a tough one. Talk about those are, those are two juggernauts in the, in the Super Bowl. Uh, when it comes to Super Bowl parties and just foods in general, those are those are tailgating foods. Those are Super Bowl party foods. Those are just sporting. Like I feel like when I think about foods that I want to eat while I'm watching sports, besides obviously the goat salsa, um, hmm. when it comes to like the main course, I'm always thinking about wings or pizza. Like it's it's like, do I want to get B Dubs while I'm watching the football game, or am I gonna? maybe order some Dom, some, some dominoes. So this one is so tough for me because I mean, pizza, I, I think has really been just about my favorite food my whole life. I mean, it's been there for you. It has been, it has been there for me when no other food has, when those late nights in in college where I need something to eat at 2 AM, I'm ordering pizza. When it comes to like a a lazy Sunday, right before the noon, like the one o'clock kickoffs, I'm ordering pizza. Like pizza, pizza's never let me down. It's, it's all reliable, but wings, they, it brings that heat. It brings that spice. It brings that, like, I don't know what it is. You just feel a little satisfied when you're eating wings. Like you just, your hands are getting messy. You're, you're, you're getting the sauce. My, my only complaint with wings is really just the, the amount of meat on the bone. Um, sometimes it's a little lacking. Then you just have to eat more. So yeah. It ends up being a good thing because then you you pound through 15, 20 wings and you're feeling good about yourself. But, <laughs> but that being said, I think I can't go against pizza here. I just can't do it. Pizza's just been – I just enjoy it too much. Pizza, there's no risk of letting me down when it comes to pizza. I will eat pizza from anywhere. And you'll be hard-pressed to find me say that a slice of pizza is bad. This is this is for sure a tough one. I'm not surprised by your choice pizza in, in this situation. Just just because we've enjoyed many a, many a pie together, we've we've gone in on many pies uh, of during during football Sundays for sure. This is a really tricky one because I am normally a pizza over wings person. In almost every scenario, I will choose pizza over wings, except for maybe on Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. Wow. There is a time where it calls for something different because I will do pizza every Sunday of the super, of the, of the footballing year. No, no question. I'll do it. But sometimes you want that high ceiling that wings provide low floor for wings. Like they could be some of the worst wings you've oh, yeah. ever big, had. Big risk involved. Soggy undercooked. Mm-hmm. Very could get, could get ugly, very messy as well. But very high ceiling, perfect level of crisp, perfect level of spice. Pizza, we're probably ordering Papa John's or Domino's, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. 
Or if you're going and, with the DiGiorno's, DiGiorno's actually comes came back in 2022 here. I've heard they're doing a Super Bowl special. If the score is 14 to 3 or th- 3 to 14 or something of that nature, um, or 4 to 13, like that combo of numbers. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which is very strange. You will you have a chance to win, I think it's like free pizza for a year or something. So oh, fun shout out trying whoa. to get, get you to sway over to the pizza side real quick. Oh, I do. I do like some DiGiorno. Well, it's not delivery. I'm going oh, wings though for great. Super Bowl for Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going wings. And there's one final thought on this and it may be underrated. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I'm not a germaphobe. I'm going to say what I'm, I'm being, I'm germ conscious. And what I'm going to say is pizza. Sometimes people are feeling a little loose around the Super Bowl. They're just touching all the slices, man. They're pulling apart all the slices and they're touching them all. Some, it doesn't bother a lot of people. It normally doesn't bother me. I'm feeling it right now that I don't want that. And so I'm going to go wings. I'm going to save my thoughts on that. We'll just <laughs> – it seems like kind of a – sort of a hot take – and it, it it may tilt me a little, so. <laughs> oh, oh! I almost got him! Almost got him! <laughs> not not quite. So let's move on. Oh, so, so we had an appetizer. We had a main course. What what else do we have? Are there some some side stuff? I know in my mind there's a couple. Of- uh, yeah. I mean, you got you got any off the top? If you if you got some. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I got a I got a couple for sure. And I know you are a big fan. So we've got we got some pigs in a blanket. For those who, <laughs> for those who are uncultured um, and have not experienced the the wonder and the mystique of a pig in a blanket, versus sliders, and we're talking like meat sliders, just right, these classic burger sliders. Let's let's leave it up to a little bit of interpretation. Let's just say that someone has brought a variety of sliders. So we got like a a slider platter. So we've got, let's just say some burger sliders, some cheeseburger sliders, and maybe some like pulled pork sliders. Oh, bring some little element into the, (laughs) I was going to say, if it was just burger sliders, this, this isn't a terribly difficult decision for me because pigs in a blanket, sort of similar to my wing steak. It's so unique. I don't eat that often. That I mm-hmm. I'm gonna be pretty jazzed about it if I see some some little some mini weenies out there for mm-hmm. for uh, the Super Bowl. I mean, those are delicious. Like, oh yeah, and you get some good like barbecue sauce or like any sort of whatever your preference is for dipping. You can go, you can not dip. They're delicious. You dip them in something, they're delicious. You get the and those are those are typically if they're made correctly, handmade, and they're rolling out that dough and rolling each one Ooh. in, putting it on the foil. Oof. The work goes into it and boy, does it pay off. And they're so, you're talking about health conscious. You just grab one of those, their finger food, pop it right in, move on to the next one. No risk of people touching all of your pigs. No, no your one's blankets. touching all the pigs. Nope. <laughs> they're not touching your blankets either. Nope. I, that's exactly, I don't like, I, that's important, but same, same idea with sliders, you know, hopefully only mm-hmm. one, one hand per slider, but you adding the pulled pork slider to the mix makes it really tricky because now you got the pork versus pork action. It's, it's mono a mono. It's probably going to, it's probably going to have to stick with pigs in a blanket though. Slider is a little, I like the idea of one bite for the pigs in a blanket. Mm-hmm. The slider, delicious. No problems with the slider, but you're going to have to hold it for maybe three or four bites. And 
you know, I don't know if I want my like appetizer to be held for three or four bites. I just want to mindlessly throw it in the mouth down the gullet. That is important, especially during a game where you don't want to miss any action. You need to be able to walk over, grab with speed, get a couple on your plate, and walk right back. You can get you can get there in about twenty seconds if you put a few on and you won't miss a play. Mm. With the sliders, you're definitely at risk of at least missing a play because you got to carefully put them on, make sure you're not spilling. But that being said, I strategically introduced pulled pork sliders as an option so that I could choose the sliders as, the, as the choice. Because yes, burger sliders, I don't think will win. Like you said, authenticity. I don't think they will win over pigs in a blanket because I pigs in a blanket's maybe a two to three times a year type snack. Um, but I've got a soft spot for pulled pork. I love pulled pork, and when it's in slider fashion, I mean, I, I can see you nodding. I mean, you 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 probably respect the pick. Like pulled pork sliders, they hit different. Yeah, they hit different, and I've never. I don't think I've ever been with you when there's pulled pork or carnitas on a menu, and you have not chosen it. <laughs> That's, so that's I understand true. this pick for you. Okay, so that was those are some those are some pretty big some big boys there. But there, there's a couple left that hold that are held near and dear to my heart. As as you said, uh, the New Year's parties that we hosted back in the day, RJ, Brian, and myself. Shout out, <laughs> Shout out to the fam. Two staples. You know what they are. You know what the staples are at the Lynch <laughs> household on New Year's. They can this can apply to New Year's parties, Super Bowl parties. We're going the mini tacos, the hand size pick the tacos right off the plate, or the 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 meatballs. Those things are sitting in there. They're juicy. They're in the crock pot, getting all infused with the sauce. So if you had to choose mini tacos over meatballs, those are some. <laughs> There's some tough ones. Oh boy, <laughs> I was worried about you bringing the mini tacos into play at some point. I, I've, I know your track record with mini tacos. You put you can put them down. I for those that don't know, these are not these are not make it yourself mini tacos. No, 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 no. These are like machine processed meat oh, packed yeah. into this soft corn husk <laughs> of a of a taco, and there's cheese and beans in there too presumably they just fold it it's glued together you toast them up put them in the oven 20 minutes on 375 bam yeah. gen z gen z not eating this they they not messing with these mini tacos these are these are some throwbacks oh no 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 this is not bought <laughs> this is not bought at your whole foods i'll tell you that oh, much no. <laughs> we talking about some costco frozen section <laughs> I, this is so hard because you're pulling on the nostalgia strings right now for me with with the the growing up seeing seeing RJ and Brian at the the New Year's party. So I don't even know if this is a Super Bowl pick. This is this is like this a is New a- Year's <laughs> Eve pick for me. The meatballs are pretty dang good too, though. Like a little a little sweet and sour. I don't even know what you're what what you guys put in that stuff. It is so good. I've heard some crazy recipes now where people are putting like jam or jelly into the mix and letting it cook. Well, I, jelly. I, I thought that was absolutely crazy. I've heard like grape jam into mix and I tried them delicious. I mean, so does that mean you're taking the meatballs? I'm taking the meatballs and it hurts because the amount of dinners I had with mini tacos and the amount of new year's nights, just still at midnight finishing off even the tacos when they were cold, I was still eating them. It was like <laughs> after the fourth quarter it ended and I'm just, it's like, I'm just still eating them. I just can't, if they're there, I'm going to, I'm not going to leave any, many tacos. Like they're not making yeah. it to the next morning, clearly, <laughs> but we're not, yeah, meatballs. I, 
and I've had them twice in the last couple months. I just, I can't resist meatballs. Like if they're sitting there in the crock pot and you got the little toothpicks, you know what I'm talking about? You get a toothpick and you just start loading them. It makes it better for sure. Nobody's eating those meatballs like that with a fork. You get a toothpick. I'm taking meatballs. So meatball, I have to take the tacos, nostalgia feel. The meatballs are, are delicious. I, I can't complain about your decision, but the mini tacos, uh, it's just, I haven't had them in so long and I, I want them right now. I want I, them. It's like that feeling. It's like, for those who don't know, mini tacos are probably like, they're like pizza rolls. They're like any like frozen put in the oven and just wait like 20 minutes and then just feast on them. And you just, you may feel bad afterwards, but you'll still feel good. <laughs> you just, it's, it's like, I feel bad. Like my stomach hurts and I'm going to slightly regret this, but like, I don't regret it. Not right now. These are, these are delicious. I want some more. Yeah. Make some more always. So we want to hear what you guys think. Were we totally off base in these comparisons? Were we spot on in our analysis? What did we miss? I know everyone has their own Super Bowl tradition. What did we miss? I know there's there's lots of things. There's there's just general chips versus cheese and crackers. Mm-hmm. Some people love the pretzels. Some people love uh, you know just full 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 blown burgers. They do a cookout for the for Super Bowl. There's lots of options here. What what do uh, what do you do? We want to know. Uh, and then we're we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna we're gonna hit on some halftime shows. We get back. All right, Matt. So snacks are only 35%, like I said, of a successful Super Bowl. Let's call it experience. Now, this will be for the crowd that arguably this part may be more important to them than the actual game. And in some cases, it has been better than the game itself. So I'm talking about halftime shows. And everybody looks forward to a good halftime show. You, you look forward to the commercials and then you look forward to the performance at halftime. It's supposed to be big, exciting, flashy, lots of lights, lots of dancers, loud music, great mute, like great performers. Cause supposedly you've gotten one of the biggest and brightest stars uh, because who doesn't want to perform at the Super Bowl, right? Like I think it's a lot of artists. Like that's one of the, the pinnacles. Like if you get invited to, perform at halftime of the Super Bowl, like you, you've made it. I mean, I know you're a big fan of a half, a good halftime show, right? I, I think that this year's is going to be really exciting. We've got, yeah, it, there's a whole, there's a whole crew of people that I'm really excited to see. I know that there, I've seen some memes of people showing this year's halftime show and it's, they show a bunch of older folks at like a nursing home. And they're making fun of the fact that this is catering to maybe some older folks that had music that's not mm-hmm. necessarily popular right now. Are you excited for this year's? I, I'm pretty pumped for it. I, I was pretty pumped. Uh, I I shouldn't say I was. I am. But saying I was, when I saw the the trailer or the like sneak peek come out on social media where it gave a, a heads up of like who was in it and kind of like a, a cool trailer. I'm sure you saw the, the like three or four minute video I'm talking about where it showed yep. the the five different people and they were making their way to the stadium. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. It's a, it, it's quite the ensemble. Yeah. It's a crew. 
uh, I think people are going to be. I think people are going to be pleased. I don't see them putting on a bad show. Uh, in any case, what what are your some of your like super notable halftime shows? I know we 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 probably only have I don't know twenty years of full memories to work with here, mm-hmm. but so we're not going to necessarily hit on some of the, the previous ones. But what are some of your more memorable or funny moments? Or there's so many to choose from, but but what stands out to you? So the first one that stands out to me in terms of is I mean oh four um, with Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. Course. Not only was the game itself a great game, um, but the halftime show, it was wild. I mean, it was it was crazy. It had good music. It was Justin Timberlake when he was super young, great dancer. Janet Jackson, of course, uh, being the legendary performer that she is as well. I found everything in that halftime show to have a lot of the elements that I really look for. It was exciting. It was engaging. Um, the game itself had led up, had been good. Uh, but I say all this and you know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, <laughs> I know you, you, you asked for a Super Bowl halftime that was memorable. And for those of you who didn't watch the 2004 Super Bowl halftime show with Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson, at the very, very end of the performance, there was a costume malfunction with Janet Jackson where Justin Timberlake reached and grabbed something on her costume that revealed uh, <laughs> revealed Janet Jackson a bit in her upper body. And it was shocking. And I, I watched a, a pr- like a review of it today just to like see the performance. And they flashed those like lights and fireworks so quickly to hide that <laughs> it happened. She, the shocked look on her face and his face and then went to black and then the lights, the fireworks or whatnot came exploding out. They're like, wait, did anyone see that? <laughs> I give props to the the stage crew. How oh, did yeah, they, they do were, it so fast? They, they were on their game. They were not messing around. Whoever was on the headset, he saw that he was like, all right, lights go. And they were like, hey, on it. We got this. <laughs> do you think nope. that they're, they trained for that specifically? Of course. <laughs> no, right, they guys. did not train for that. They were absolutely. Sh- they were. I can't. The fact that they did it so quickly, I would have been shocked if I was one of the stage crew. Like if I was in charge of that, I would have been watching. Everything's going smooth. You just had a flawless halftime show. Everything's engaged. You're about to end. It's the final one. You're like, oh, this was great. And then just, oh my, <laughs> oh my. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure she's on the jumbotron, and everyone can see in the oh, stadium. Yes. And it's. I mean, that's. Uh, Talk about memorable for the right or wrong reason. <laughs> yeah, that that's certainly I mean that had some staying power, absolutely. I think for me, that that was probably yeah, I would agree. That's that's the most memorable. For me, I think it's always hilarious after the halftime show. Because within five to ten minutes on social media, you see people already publishing hilarious stuff from the halftime show. Like for example, mm-hmm. last year was the weekend when he was looking hilariously, like walking around a maze trying to find stuff, and it was it would be uh, like a meme that said the weekend trying to find us trying to find a place that no one has COVID. And it's like this guy that's like frantically searching <laughs> around stuff. And then Lady Gaga, when she performed and she, she did her crazy, like jumping off the stage into the, into the crowd kind of thing. Uh, one of my most memorable ones was, was the Katy Perry one uh, in, in 2015, the Super Bowl between the Seahawks and the Patriots. I thought this was, a hilarious halftime show. I don't think it was necessarily great, but it was, you know, music, music that most people who listen to pop knew. 
and the the star of the show was a shark like a shark on the stage that didn't that forgot how to dance and was doing super outrageous dance dance moves became the star of the show which was hysterical to to see like that was that was peak america in my mm-hmm. mind super that bowl was- Katy Perry on stage, and everyone's talking about the shark that's uncoordinated in the back. Wasn't it like, was it Left Shark? Was that what it was? Left Shark? And that was a thing. I remember going to an amusement. I think I went to like Bush Gardens or Kings Dominion. There were people dressed as Left Shark, like showing up to (laughs) – people were wearing like Halloween costumes that year. There were people dressed as Left Shark. Like it was a phenomenon, and it was (laughs) so weird. And It was so dumb. But that's – that's what comes to mind when you think of things like this. Just weird like moments in these shows that are hilarious. And like you said, you made a great point. Um, things that happen on social media like immediately after. Mm. There's instant reactions and memes that are just catching your attention and are just super funny. So one that – it's it was in 1993. So it was Michael Jackson, which I had – I've watched multiple times because obviously I was being born in 94. It wasn't even alive when this one um, took place. And I'm just, I'm almost, it's, it's jealousy because I would have loved to have been say this age and seen a Michael Jackson performance at a halftime of a Super Bowl. Because I mean, there's no denying the performer that he, that he was. Uh, he just, he knew how to, how to electrify an, a crowd or an audience. And from everything I saw, it looked incredible. And it was just, it started super cheesy with the lack of like special effects they had in the nineties where, where he was like on the screen and they pretended like he jumped and they pulled him out of the screen and he was on top of it. And then all of a sudden reappeared in the middle of the football field coming from (laughs) under the stage. Um, but I've always been jealous that I wasn't able to to see a performance of his in a time where I could really remember it and digest it and kind of enjoy it. Um, I can only live through the YouTube clips that I'm able to watch, but that one looked amazing. Yeah, I've seen that those clips as well, and and that one was was probably less about some of the obviously it was a different time period, you know, in the nineties than it is now. So it's hard to even relate what the Mm -hmm. audience was necessarily feeling at that time. But I'm sure seeing is the King of pop. I'm sure seeing him live would have just been, or even on TV would have just been incredible. One that came to mind recently for me was the, at least from people I've heard really loved the JLo and Shakira one, which was not too long ago. Right. It was, I think it was 2020. I had mixed thoughts about it. However, we're talking about memorable. I'm not rating it as better or worse than some of the other ones we've talked about, but I thought it was pretty memorable Two, like, like Queens of like the genre and the, like their decade. I mean, those are, those are two like big names that combined into a, into a performance like that. And I thought it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought it was a really cool show itself. The Latino flair was definitely there, which was really Mm -hmm. cool. I I know that in, and NFL has a lot to work on in this category, but it was it was cool to see a different style of show at the mm-hmm. at the uh, the Super Bowl that year. There's definitely a lot of really great cultural uh, commentary from for their cultures, which is really cool to see. I mean, the mu- it was interesting because J Lo and Shakira they're they're very different artists, so it was hard mm-hmm. I think to combine their music well. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely memorable. I would agree. I mean, there was 
the flair was undeniable. They're amazing dancers and amazing, amazing stage presence, both of them. And they had great, uh, great ensemble crews that were with them, you know, doing the numbers and, and the music's recognizable. It, it may not be the, you know, the, the best fit for the Super Bowl, but it is definitely recognizable. Yeah, definitely songs that audiences of a variety of ages can sing to because it's, it's such popular music. And I believe that was also a year in which the whole Colin Kaepernick, like blacklisted from the NFL type thing was like hitting its, like its stride. And I, I think that year they were having trouble finding people to like some mm-hmm. artists were saying they wouldn't perform in the Super Bowl that year because of this whole blacklisting issue and not supporting the NFL that like itself made it also memorable when I found out that those were the two performers that were stepping up to like do that type of show when the, the NFL, it, frankly, was struggling to, to find someone because they were not in a, a very, they were looked upon very unfavorably for a, a hot minute there. It was supercharged for sure. And, mm-hmm. and it, it was going to be a big, big step by whoever chose to, to do this performance. So yeah, that was certainly the, the socio-political scene at that time was, was super hot in the NFL. Uh, and, and so that whole year was, was supercharged. And so you could definitely see that in the, in the halftime show. I, I think for the most part, a lot of them blend together for me, if I'm being completely honest, uh, a lot of the Super, Super Bowl halftime shows, it's really fun for me when they, when they pull someone out that is, is a little bit more unusual and off the beaten path. So to me, like Prince in 2007 stands out as, as a really cool show uh, because he was, he was someone not necessarily on a lot of people's radar. And then he comes back. The who was an interesting show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aerosmith was a really cool show in 2001. Madonna. I, there's definitely those artists that come, that come out and are, are a lot more unique than some of the, like, I didn't love the Maroon five one. I didn't love the weekend. I didn't love Bruno Mars. Like you hear their music so often every single day. And so it's, it's like, the, it's the radio music. And when you, when you, when you hear it so often, it almost takes away from the experience of being at the Super Bowl. When you're when you're watching the Super Bowl, it's this big game. It's this one game. It, the season's all led up to this. And when you kind of hear music that like you hear all the time, it just doesn't sound as good on that stage. I feel like I feel like it may even be harder for uh, like pop artists like that that are super super hot at the time because it's like we've heard their songs over and over and over and over again for months leading up to the Super Bowl. It is it is certainly a hard task for the artists, and I know that the NFL wants to put on a good show. So I know that there's always been controversy about whether guitars are plugged in, or whether someone's lip syncing, or whether uh, they're using auto tune on their voice because they want to put on a perfect show. Which I am sure it's a hard it's a hard venue to perform at. Like you you've got an audience that's sort of on the field, but also in the stands. It's it's kind of awkward and, and strange when you think about it, uh, but sort of putting putting a bow on it i think this year's i'm really curious to see to hear the reaction to it because i I know there will be reactions to it i'm curious to see the set list that these artists come out with if there's any collaborations or it's sort of one by one they they sort of go through and and sing so i'm excited for this year's i think it'll rank pretty highly for me but maybe i'm biased just because of of the name brand recognition i have going Mm -hmm. in yeah i'm i'm super pumped and I'm I'm also a little worried because of the how excited I am that I might be slightly let down. But here's to hoping that the this year's Super Bowl halftime show is one for the for the archives to really 
um, be one that is memorable when we talk about it in 10 years, one that we can think about and think fondly of. So talking about memories, um, for you and I, who are, I'd say, I don't want to use the word above average, but like someone who really follows sports more closely than the average person, I'll put it like that. The Super Bowl halftime shows do sometimes blend together because we are so laser focused on the game. A lot of times I take a break at halftime and go eat food and talk with whoever's at the gathering or the party I'm at. And I'm talking about the game. I'm like, did you, what happened in the first half? Did you see that? That was so boneheaded. So that being said, there's some crazy plays that, I mean, that you could spend hours talking about just in our lifetimes. We've seen some of the most iconic plays in Super Bowl history and moments, whether they're great, boneheaded, silly, wild, unique. Uh, so like, I know you've, you probably what have have you missed a Super Bowl in the last what not fifteen twenty have you is there been a time where you have not been able to watch the game? Certainly, when I was younger, I, there's games that I don't remember very well, and I remember the first Super Bowl that I really ever went to a party with the Patriots Rams, the sort of the the initial Patriots Super Bowl that they kicked off their dynasty. Mm-hmm. Vinatieri was literally a, kicked it off. Yes, well <laughs> said. <laughs> uh, and and. That was my first one, and I don't think I've missed a Super Bowl since then. As far as watching it, there were some that I didn't, I didn't understand. Like the, you know, when I was younger, I didn't really get what the importance mm-hmm. of the big deal of it, or care about which teams were involved per se. But as as long as I can remember from my adolescent life up, I've I've tried to watch every single single Super Bowl. Yeah, it still it irks me to this day that I missed. Um... The Super Bowl between the Rams and the Patriots most recently with with the rip to Jared Goff, who's with the Lions now. He, he did lead the don't never forget that Jared Goff led the Rams to a Super Bowl when his career slowly fades into the, the distance with the Lions. But I missed that Super Bowl because I was at a show and it turned out by the good graces that it was one of the worst offensive Super Bowls that we've ever seen just historic historically bad and you can I'm sure you watched the entire thing being a Patriots fan you probably didn't miss a single play and you were sitting there like wow these offenses are horrible this Um, is why the food's important this is (laughs) why the food is important and even the halftime show for cases like this the halftime show and the food has to step up and provide the 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 entertainment and can save a night when you have a game like this so that being said, are there what moments from all the years that you've been watching, like what what insane plays or what crazy plays like really stand out to you still to this day as like, I can't believe that actually happened? Well, there's I'm gonna try to stick to plays that don't hurt me to the core to bring up. So there's one <laughs> obvious one that I'm not and it happened in, in the two thousand eight Super Bowl, and that's all I'm gonna say about it. Uh, just, so go ahead and look that up yeah. if someone Eli, if Eli if is still smiling is. about that today. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's really memorable, but I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, the most fond memory one that I have is the uh, 2015 Super Bowl for the 2014 season, Super Bowl 49, same Katy Perry Super Bowl that I mentioned previously. The most ridiculous play that I've probably ever seen called in the Super Bowl. Marshawn Lynch does not get the ball. Russell Wilson throws an interception to random cornerback Malcolm Butler on the Patriots, pulling the Patriots pulling victory from the jaws of defeat. And 
I remember my, my reaction very clearly. I was in college. I was watching that game with, with a bunch of friends. I was in Maine, so I had plenty of <laughs> New England fans by mm-hmm. my side. I'm just, like, shaking everyone. I'm going crazy. And, like, I had I but a pillow and I get a nosebleed. And <laughs> – and I'm I am so pumped. It's probably one of the like top sports moments that I've ever I've ever been involved in. You say you headbutted a pillow and got a nosebleed from it? Oh yeah, I don't. I how, it could how be how coarse was that pillow? I don't know, man. I just I blacked out in that moment. I, I maybe it wasn't a pillow. Maybe it was it, something else. It, it it could have been the front door for all you know. Like there, <laughs> it could have been someone at the party. <laughs> You know when like an otherworldly force just grabs control of your body and you lose control and, so, and it, it just sometimes you get a nosebleed, you do things. And then you just don't remember what happened, but you're still like super pumped. Yeah, I, I get that. I understand. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you what that had to be memorable for you? You weren't even necessarily I mean, I'm sure you were anti Pats, but you weren't necessarily like You were sure I was anti Pats? What would make you say that? <laughs> okay so yes i was rooting against the patriots surprise (laughs) so i was one of the maybe three or four people in a super bowl party at the old house at george mason that was rooting for the seahawks that day and i just sat there while everyone was cheering around me i was just sitting there trying to make sense of what actually just happened i was like there's no penalty no one called timeout that play. Like they actually like Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson were okay with that play happening. And I just sat there and I was like, that's the worst play call I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life in any sporting event. Like what on earth you just ran the ball. I believe it was like first and goal from like the nine or the eight. And they ran it all the way to the one. He just pounds through contact. It's like, all right, here we go. You ain't stopping the beast inside the five. And then they come up to the line and you see him looking around and I'm like, all right, it's going to Marshawn Lynch. It's, uh, here we go. We're going to end the game. Game's over. And then he hikes it. No handoff. I'm already sitting there. I'm like, wait. And then he throws it so quickly that I didn't even know a route could be run that quick. And you just see Malcolm Butler like slam into the receiver, like simultaneously, Perfect coverage. I mean, they both hit the ball at the same time, and he catches it, falls down at the one. It happened so quickly, you you almost missed it. Like, I almost missed what happened. And I was like, that's a pick. That's game over. The pass just won. That's wild. <laughs> that, that is absolutely wild. You get wild. a nosebleed. You're wondering yeah, what get, <laughs> What just – did I just headbutt the TV? Like, what, <laughs> out of anger? What happened? Yeah, but that be – I mean – there weren't you were that is literally a moment that left me speechless. That's that's the only reaction. It didn't make any sense. I mean, even Tom Brady was shocked. You saw him jumping for joy after that happened. There was no way they were going to win. It was over. One of the best through contact running backs in the NFL doesn't get the chance to end the game. And it, and I and that was the that was the end of the Seahawks dynasty as we or like almost dynasty as we saw it because the Legion of Boom, the like they had beaten the Broncos. Like it was just, and it just, it just flat. It just, you know, in a, in a moment, in one bad decision, it just like, it flashed away. What, what could have been, Yep. but it, and it created another storybook ending for, for Tom coming back from 28, 14, I, I believe with two mm-hmm. like fourth quarter touchdowns, but it was wild. Yeah. And that one is sticks out in my head just as much 
as this next one um, because like you, I, I remember one that is very fond to, to Eagles fans as I am. I don't have as many to choose from because <laughs> they, their track record in NFC Championship games and Super Bowls has not been great, but they did have one moment one year and most people are going to know what I'm talking about because it's fairly recent. They won Super Bowl 52 in 2018. Let me, I'm going to, I'm going to mute you real quick as you talk about this. <laughs> this is, this is what you were talking about. This is a little too painful for it's bringing too much up, but this is against once again, the Pats, because you know, they're in the Super Bowl every like other year. It would seem none of this was supposed to happen. That's why this is so memorable. Nick Foles should not have been the quarterback in that game. It should have been Carson Wentz. The, what should have been the MVP that year tears his ACL. Nick Foles comes in. Nick Foles has had a history in Philly of being <laughs> suboptimal or <laughs> subpar, but like somewhat also magical. It's a very strange dynamic he has because he has not succeeded anywhere else he has been. <laughs> Only Philadelphia. He has a random game some Sunday where he throws seven touchdowns against the Raiders and ties some record. Then we'll throw three interceptions and lose a game by like 35 points and look like the Nick Foles we all know and don't love. <laughs> but for this moment and these last few games and this playoff run, he channeled his inner Joe Flacco, you could say. Whoa. When, when, yeah, we, we all know Joe Flacco, one of just regular season mediocrity, but then somehow in the postseason just flips a switch and becomes like the most clutch quarterback of all time <laughs> when it comes to making throws. But this moment was the Philly special. Every, all Philly fans are going to remember this play because it was, it just signified like what that season was to the Eagles and what Doug Peterson was. He was a guy that goes for it on fourth downs. He goes for it. He goes for two a lot for no reason. He would go for it in fourth down on his own territory. This was a fourth down where he could have easily chose the smart decision, take a field goal, get up by, I'd have to remember exactly, but it may be like 10 or eight or they were up at the time. They could have taken the field goal, gone into halftime with the momentum. And he's like, no, we're staying out there. We're trying to get the touchdown. This is Tom Brady. We're going against field goals. Aren't going to win this game. And they ran the Philly special, which was Nick Foles, like slightly moving to the right. And then coming off a block, they pitched it, I think, to like Corey Clement after going to Trey Burton, and then he ended up throwing the touchdown back to Foles. It's a play we've seen a lot recently. Like it seems like a couple times a year you see the quarterback stray out and go out wide, and he's wide open. But this was the, the biggest moment for a play like that to be called and executed in that scenario. And this was the Eagles' only Super Bowl. So it's that play was instrumental in winning the game, and that play will forever hold a spot in my heart as just like, the moment that like Philadelphia fans everywhere just went absolutely crazy. And they'll always think back to that play. I mean, the guts on that call, just absolutely crazy to call that. Like you said, I mean, he was probably right. Tom had a great game. So I don't think the Eagles were going to win that game. It was a, it was an offensive shootout that game and the Eagles put up 40. And that was such a fun play because I mean, just objectively viewing and without me being so lost that game because because Tom had a similar play earlier in the game where Tom went out and tried to catch a pass and he didn't catch it. Yes, it, this, Tom this Brady's was missed catch. All the more sweeter. <laughs> yeah, so and the Patriots the, tried to be yeah. cute earlier. 
Mm -hmm. And this, this is, you talk about the social media coming out very quickly when Tom dropped that ball. Oh my, there were a lot of social media memes and posts for immediate, like before, probably within 10 minutes. I mean, it hurt me so bad as a Patriots fan that they ran a, a trick play to get <laughs> their quarter, the Eagles quarterback, the ball in the same way the Patriots ran a trick play and it failed. And I was like, this is the most Belichick thing that just happened to Bill Belichick. That's right. So, so uh, oh, this one's painful. I, I think, I mean, we're greedy as Patriots fans. It's never enough, never enough Super nope. Bowls. And that was painful to watch that happen because the offense gave everything they had. And I mean, Doug Peterson credits him. He, he called an amazing game for the oh, yeah. offense for Nick Foles to, to execute. And so, Hats off. Go watch Philly Special. I mean, yeah, you see, they honestly changed the league with that call because you see it now every awesome. I mean, every yeah. every few weeks it happens. So find me another moment non-Patriot, which I know is hard to do because they're, they're – <laughs> There's just not a lot to choose from. <laughs> they're like – they were like the Spurs, and it's like saying don't choose the Spurs and the Lakers in the last like 20 years of basketball. But give me a non-Patriot memory – out to you because you would have been an unbiased viewer in that game maybe you may have hated one of the teams in it yeah I'm gonna be a little bit quicker with this one because it's not as close and personal but I, I'm thinking of the first of all the game between uh Super Bowl 43 2009 mm. between Arizona Cardinals and Pittsburgh Steelers I was very obviously rooting for the Cardinals I loved Larry Fitzgerald I like Kurt Warner I love that team to be honest and they that had team, an awesome yeah. run oh yeah and so you know what I'm talking about when I bring that mm -hmm. up. There were two really pivotal plays in that game. One was the Harrison's 100-yard James yes. Harrison like, slow-mo. Arguably one of the best, like most memorable Super Bowl moments and maybe not even as memorable as what I'm assuming you're about to bring up. Well, yeah, I mean, it was the, the <laughs> sub-one-minute drive, uh, drive capper by Santonio. The toe tap, it was, it was unbelievable. Like I haven't seen a catch like that. I mean, I've seen amazing catches, so – but in that clutch situation, I had not seen a catch like that ever in a Super Bowl. It was insanity. He tapped his toes. Larry Fitzgerald was looking on helpless from the sideline. I remember very clearly he's got his – he's like just in shock and in awe, wondering what the heck just happened. How the Super Bowl, we just, we just clawed back and we took the lead and now we've lost. We had all the momentum. Mm -hmm. That was a tough one, but it was so memorable, that catch – and that whole game, but that catch just capped it to actually what was a really good Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. And Santonio Holmes, I mean, that's that's what he's known for. He didn't have the most prolific, let's say, like overall career. But that that moment, I don't want to take away from Santonio Holmes, but that throw by Big Ben was unreal. He put it – there was only a very, very tight, small window to put that ball, which allowed Santonio Holmes to catch it, get his toes in, also without allowing a defender to touch it a perfectly like it's it's just a moment it's a play that you don't practice because he, he got out and he scrambled to the right and santonio is streaking toward the corner of the end zone being very careful to give himself enough space and it was just one of those moments where you're like soon when you see it live you're there's no way he was in bounds absolutely not there's no chance and then they show the replay and sure enough the little blades of grass he's got both his toes just dragging right before the white. And you're like, that, that is wild. That is crazy. How, how did he get his feet in? How did the defender not touch that? How did Big Ben throw that on the run? Yeah, that was that game itself. Larry Fitzgerald, 150 yards and two touchdowns, I believe. Like 
he was an absolute monster. And I, you feel for him because he's easily in my top five favorite players of all time. I would have loved for him to get a Super Bowl because he's just the best guy on the field and off. But that game, that moment is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what that's what you watch for. That's what you play for. So, I mean, so many good moments. I think just to round it out, did you have any any good final moments that you want to bring up? Yeah, I mean, I, I have so many, but I'll I'll pick one that I think is a little different than all the rest because it's it's a coach. It's a coach's decision. I mean, I guess the Philly special was also a coach's decision, but this one was really like, it's just, you never expect this. You would never see an onside kick happening in a Super Bowl unless it's a desperation onside kick. Teams down by seven, no timeouts, under two minutes. We need an onside kick or we lose the game. He, Sean Payton is who I'm talking about in the Super Bowl that is memorable for a lot of reasons because it was right after Hurricane Katrina and New Orleans as a, as a city is regrouping and Drew Brees, arguably the most famous player in their franchise history against Peyton Manning of all people with the Colts, obviously the legend Peyton, he's on Monday night football now as an analyst, all the stats, all the MVPs. I think most people thought the Colts were going to win this game. I mean, I know I did. The Colts had the better talent. They had the better offense. I, they had the better quarterback, but Sean Payton made a call at halftime to totally flip the script, totally flip the momentum. He decided to come out with an onside kick to start the second half and totally caught the Colts off guard. The Colts did not see it coming, which how could you like, no one has the, the gall, like the, who would make that call in that situation? If you you're giving Peyton like a 40 yard field, if you miss that and then he easily may go in, score a touchdown, all the momentum's gone. You could lose the game on this decision. And nonetheless, it works. Yeah, this was, I love seeing this play live and I was a pretty neutral observer in this game. I think, and this one was so cool because you hardly ever see plays like that in the NFL. You see so much conservative, so many conservative calls. And I guess same with the, the Peterson stuff. Like you pick two very, very cool coach decisions that went against what so much the league does and still does, honestly, that mm-hmm. they don't innovate. They don't try new things. And in the biggest moment of all, I, I think that was crazy that Sean Payton decided to do that because it's not like onside kicks have a good success rate ever. And so you're risking the game there. You're risking digging an deep, even deeper hole for yourself and getting questioned all offseason about that that decision. Uh, it, it could haunt you. But I love it. Like, the other team's not expecting it. If you execute it most of the way right, you have a really good chance of getting it getting it done. And so I, I love the call. I think it's – I think we – I think the NFL could use more of that kind of – just mix it up a little bit. Yes, and I'm I'm hoping to see that in the, the Super Bowl we've got um, this weekend. And that being said, I think we're going to take a quick break uh, before we give you the predictions for the the big game. Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford, Bengals, Rams. We'll be right back and we'll we'll bring you our our best predictions for that. Welcome back. Big game predictions. We've talked uh, a lot about not the game, so we're going to jump into the game now. Bengals, Chiefs, and two different uh, brands of, of football being played this weekend. 
are you excited for this game? Are you excited for some new blood? I think it's there's some ridiculous number about like the first Super Bowl that doesn't include Ben or the 49ers and you know some sort of crazy number of years or something. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Uh, I think it's I think it's refreshing. Uh, it, it's always good to get a little fan of you know you're a Patriots fan you see him all the time you've seen Brady in a bunch of Super Bowls I'm an Eagles fan I haven't seen him as often but you want to see you want to see different guys you want to see different storylines like we've seen Mahomes a couple times already in his young career like we want to see somebody else and seeing with the the Joe Burrow storyline you have of getting the catastrophic injury to end his season and then coming back with a team that no one expected to be here. The odds were crazy. And with the team they had, just how young they were, there was no, they had no business getting this far. Most people thought, and then you have Stafford, the, the old vet trying to finally prove that he is good enough. If you surround him with the talent and the coaching, I think this, I'm very excited for this game. I think it's, it's a, a game I'm more excited about than in recent memory. Um, in terms of the last couple Super Bowls. This should be a really fun one. I I think the Bengals and the Rams both have the, the opportunity to just put up great showings on both sides of the ball. I don't it's when I think about this game, it's really hard for me to predict what's gonna happen. I don't mm-hmm. feel like either of these teams necessarily are so consistent on either side of the ball that it's you know, when you're getting a Chiefs game, you know there's gonna be points. When you're mm-hmm. getting when you're getting a Bills game, you know there's going to be points. Normally, a 49ers game, you know what you're going to get out of out of the run game and out of a defense, and it's going to be a little bit tighter. But I don't know what to expect in this game. It's going to be a real guess uh, as to as far as who's going to win, who's going to take it, and which which version of this team shows up for the Super Bowl. Is it going to be both teams have looked really really bad at times this year, and both teams have looked I wouldn't say unbeatable, but have looked very good at times this year. So I, I am pumped to see where this goes. I think it's going to be close. I do think it's going to be close. I can't, I can't pick a blowout because the, I'm not going to lie. I'm not rooting for a blowout. I want it to be a close game. I don't have any skin in the game. I want to see a really good, highly contested, close game. But like you said, it, it, it's weird. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen because I thought the Bengals didn't have a good defense. And then they went and shut down the Chiefs for an entire half of an AFC championship game. Like, did I expect that? Absolutely not. That was crazy. Did I expect the the Rams to turn over the ball as many times as they did and try to give away wins? No. Do I, do I expect the Rams D to play better than they have been? Yes, but that's not guaranteed. They, like we've discussed previously, they have big names, but sometimes they just seem to underperform. Like they have the names, but they're the substance of their defense. They sometimes get shredded and then the Bengals can't Burrow's playing in the best hot streak of his life. Like who knows? It's, and it's so interesting too. If you start thinking about things, the storylines within the storylines, you have, a, a team in the in Cincinnati Bengals coming from a place where you know they don't haven't had Super Bowl, let alone playoff success uh, recently. I mean, the Rams we talked about in the previous segment they've been to a fair you know a fair number of Super Bowls in our lifetime, and so St. Louis, uh, while some of them happened, but the Rams and Sean McVay have been here once before. We've seen with Sean McVay, 
And so I'm curious to see what adjustments he makes for this this Super Bowl with Stafford versus the one he had with Goff. Uh, just some quick thoughts, though. Like Cincinnati is so pumped for the Super Bowl that their have said the day after the Super Bowl is a day off from class. You don't have to go into school. Just stay up and watch Super Bowl and cheer for your team. Which I think is, all public that's crazy. schools should cancel all over the country. Just saying. Whoa. <laughs> Coming from the teacher himself. I I have been – this was before I became a teacher. I've said for a decade plus that the day after the Super Bowl needs to be a national holiday. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I mean, something like 17 and a half take. million people are predicted by – by consultants to yeah, 17 and a half million people expected to call out of work. And I think the, I think 11 and a half or something pre, like they're using their pre-approved leave. Like they planned it ahead, but then another like ridiculous, like 5 million have said that they're just going to call in sick. Like the morning of, I mean, <laughs> when you call in sick, like we know why you're, you're not sick. Yeah, we know what happened. <laughs> the, uh, and, and, uh, I think this is, despite Cincinnati playing it, this is a, uh, this is because it's in LA. It's almost fitting. It's six to seven thousand dollars for the cheapest tickets on most of these most of these websites, SeatGeek and, and StubHub and Ticketmaster, all of them, quoting anywhere from the five point five to like seven thousand dollar range. Not even including the fees that they add on. Ugh. That is insanity. Can you imagine showing that out for a game? And you gotta feel. I got. I feel a little bad because there, you know, there's some diehard Bengal fans out there, like, and I'm talking about the older generation of Bengal fans that haven't have been living in the dark ages of being a Bengal mm-hmm. fan for the last 25 years, and they would give anything to go to a Super Bowl like this. But like, those prices are steep. That's cr- that's madness. Well, you have the people in LA. I'm sure that are just scooping up all the mm-hmm. all the stars and all the all the big money over there is just saying, "Yep, great. We'll go to the Super Bowl and watch our home team Rams that they don't yeah. care about." Yep. So uh, it, it's it's an interesting place. I don't know how I love. I don't know if I love the trend in the last two years we've seen of a team playing in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. I don't love it. I I don't love it, and obviously it's. I mean, it's coincidence because the the place is set far in advance of when the teams do what they do. Uh, but what's even weirder is that the Bengals are actually the home team <laughs> in this game. And you heard me correct. The Bengals are the official literal home team. They will actually be in the home team locker room, <laughs> which that doesn't make any sense. Like, even if you're going to have them be the home team, why are they going to use the locker room that the Rams usually? So how much prep is going into like switching all the like stuff that's been in that locker room all season to the other locker room? Yeah. Does this, is this just the NFL giving a nod to say, Oh, it's not, there's not home field advantage. So we're going to put you guys in the home locker room. Or yeah, something. It's, their best, it's their best attempt at it, I guess to check all the boxes about them being, but that's, a, that's just a weird, that weird thing. But LA, like LA, is no stranger to hosting Super Bowls. I mean, I think it's their seventh one now. Like it's, I believe the the first one, if I'm not mistaken, in 1967 was in LA. Uh, so like, yeah, LA, it's 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 commonplace for them. They're like, hey, another Super Bowl, we're gonna go buy some tickets and go. <laughs> you gotta, it's like, yeah, you gotta feel sometimes for teams like this, especially. I mean, when the Eagles made it. Like a lot of diehard Eagle fans would have loved to go to the game. When the Bengals are now in it, you just 
you're like, oh God, some of these guys probably would give anything. And it's like those would not for those prices. That's a, that is not something you just shell out. <laughs> oh no, that's, you got to finance that. <laughs> yeah. Put it on like layaway, pay that off on a monthly payment type deal. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's absurd for, for four hours of my life. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. In, in any case, going back to thinking, I'm not sure what's going to happen to this game. I'm just going to throw a score out there. I put some thought into it. I'm not sure if it's going to play out this way. I could see it being way low, way more lower scoring, even being higher scoring. But I'm going to say, it. I'm going to say, and this is a, this is just a gut pick, and I want the Bengals to win, so I'm going to pick them. I think this game could go either way. Bengals 30, Rams 28. Uh, I'll get into some of the details as to why that that's the case. But what's your what's your initial take for your score prediction? This this one, yeah, it's this one was probably one of the tougher picks I've made all postseason because I feel like most matchups I had a pretty good gauge of what was going to happen, or at least the game tempo and what the script would typically say. But this one, I'll throw out. I've been pumping the Rams up this whole time, so you know I'm not going back. I'm not picking the Bengals. This is this is Stafford's time. This is OBJ getting a ring. Uh, I'm saying Rams 31, Bengals 23, and I because the Rams are a team that they go for touchdowns. McVay is fairly aggressive, and I believe he'll learn from the mistakes of the previous Super Bowl, playing too conservatively, maybe running the ball too much when it's not working, and really, I believe, letting Stafford air it out. I think he's going to give Stafford the like the reins and say, like, make plays, like go win us this game. And I don't think he could ever do that with Jared Goff. I think that was the difference. Jared Goff is a game manager. He says, make the plays when I design them for you to roll out or bootleg or play action. Stafford's a guy I think he proved against the Bucs that you give him the ball, you put him in shotgun, and you let him make plays. Go win the game for us with your arm. So I think the, the Rams will hold on, and I think their D will make just enough plays. Like I think one or two maybe crucial turnovers, maybe a strip sack, maybe a tipped pass that turns into an interception. I just see the Rams D making one or two plays and the Bengals unexpectedly good defense to maybe finally falter and come back to the the norm that we saw this season. Yeah, I think that's super fair as, as an assessment. You know, you've been higher on the Rams than I've been been this playoffs, but but it's sort of worked out so far. It's going to be whether McVay can learn from his his previous previous Super Bowl. He's sort of the the guy that's been there before. He's been in the room before. Let's see if he can adjust. It's going to be a game of him versus himself. Is he going to overthink it? Is he going to underthink it? Is he going to mm-hmm. try to be too cute? Is he going to run some trick plays that don't work or that do work? I'm really excited to see how how that happens. And on the other side, you have a really young and up and coming coach in Zach Zach Taylor, mm-hmm. who was under the gun the end of last season because they were so bad. But you know, obviously Burrow got hurt. And he's showing that he's got some. He's he could be an up and comer in this league too for a little while. So I'm again like it's just so hard to predict. But I think the pivotal matches I'm, I'm really going to be looking at is is going to be Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey. You know of that. Course. Yeah. You know that Burrow's going to yep. look that way. Um, if Chase can get freed up, it's going to unleash the offense a lot more for for the Bengals. If not, we could see a lot similar game to what we saw in the Chiefs where the Bengals struggle to find their groove for a little bit and they have to go to their other outlets like T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd or Joe Mixon. And then, you know, eventually they figure it out. I don't think the Bengals get shut down all game, but it's going to be a big a big game within the game of Ramsey versus Chase. And 
And I think Sean McVay versus versus some of what he can do for the boneheaded Sean McVay versus the very mm-hmm. bright Sean McVay. I I believe there will be a couple key things. Like when when they always talk about what the X factor is, I have two X factors in this game. The first is Aaron Donald and Von Miller versus the Bengals offensive line. I think this is I mean, this is not a surprise. This isn't a hot take. The Bengals offensive line gives up sacks. They are not the healthiest, they're not the best offensive line. Burrow has just been playing out of his mind. So I think here it's how much can Aaron Donald and Von Miller pressure Joe Burrow because they put a lot of pressure on Tom Brady and they were making him uncomfortable. They were hitting him. They, I mean, he was bleeding at one point. I mean, they were just getting him a bit off his game, which is what you have to do versus Tom. So they need to make Joe Burrow uncomfortable right away because that will set the precedent for how he is responding throughout the game. If they can get him off his game in the beginning, they could try to run away with it because the Rams have been a team that score early and often. So if they're able to maybe shut him down a couple times and get a lead, it could be a recipe for success. Um, And then my second one is the guy I've been hyping this whole postseason about redemption coming from Cleveland. I think OBJ Once again, like last week, 113 yards, I believe, was huge. He's been making catches. He's been making tough catches. He's been making the right play, the smart play. Whoever the Bengals put on him, whether it's Eli Apple, whether it's one of the lesser known or notable cornerbacks, because I think they should cover Cup. Like, they should. But as we've (laughs) seen, nobody seems to be able to actually cover Cooper Cup. Even if he's double teamed, you have your best cornerback on him. Like he finds a way to get open. He's going to get the ball because McVay schemes it that way. But Odell, I believe is going to have a lot of looks and just like he did last game, convert some third downs. He could be a crucial guy where I see, I see him scoring in this game. So I, it's going to be a lot about how the Bengals D responds to cup and these guys and putting pressure on Stafford. But I think OBJ could be a difference maker. Yeah, babe, you've been all about OBJ this postseason. He's—I don't know what he did. I don't know what he did for you recently, but and he's you, been you proving me right. Praises. He's been proving me right. I mean, I'm going to go as far to say that if Stafford doesn't win the Super Bowl this year, that the season was a failure for the Rams. I'm just oh gonna, yeah. I, I mean, they—they they mortgage their future. This is this is where they expected to be. So if they don't win this game, no one cares. No one really cares that you got to the Super Bowl and lost. They care if you win. So no, this is this is LA. I mean that's that's the Lakers motto. LA goes big. They spend a lot of money. They're, the Dodgers, like it's all they they're LA is title town for a reason. They they Okay. Okay. They, <laughs> I know you might have some thoughts about that. But LA with it they win titles. Their fans expect them to win titles and compete for titles on a year in, year out basis. And this is no different. Like you said they, they brought in Von Miller. They brought in Stafford. This is, this is win a title right now. So, and I, it's, I, I'm so excited. That's a, this game has so many storylines, so many, so many, so much potential for just going so many different directions. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to watch these individual battles as well as just the overall overarching themes and stories. 
yeah, we're we're cheering for different folks, and and I and hopefully if, if all works out, we'll we'll be able to watch it together. Uh, I think the end of the day, so Bengals win. I'm I'm picking if I had to pick a non-quarterback MVP, I'm probably picking T. Higgins. I liked what I saw out of him in the playoffs so far. He's become a lot. He's he's sort of resurged in the mm-hmm. playoffs versus what we saw earlier this season from him. I really like him as a as a security blanket right now with the pressure that that the front line is going to bring. And I think McPherson, Evan McPherson, is going to deliver another game winning field goal for the Bengals uh, in walk off fashion. He, I, I love me some some Evan. So even though I think the Rams are going to win, I put the score at thirty one twenty three because I think the Bengals are going to kick three field goals and get two touchdowns. Evan's going to do his job, go three for three, um, but. I, if I had to pick a, a difference maker or a possible non-quarterback MVP, I think I'm just going to go Aaron Donald. He's a beast. He's a monster. My heart says go with OBJ, but my brain says go with Donald. He's going to do something. It's going to be he's either going to he's going to push the lineman back into the quarterback and force a fumble, maybe get a safety, like something wild, because he's he's just. I don't think the Bengals have any answer for him. Yeah, I don't think they do. It'll be a matter of adjustments and to see how Joe Joe stands in there. So we'll we'll be back next week to let you know how we did. And we'll, we'll, we'll you guys will obviously know how the game went, but we'll let you know if we. Uh, so one of us is going to be gloating. I'll tell you that much. Yes, a lot of gloating will be taking place, especially if my boy Stafford and OBJ get that ring. <laughs> I can't wait till they don't. <laughs>